Greetings and salutations, everybody, and welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. I am your host, Bob Taylor, and on the agenda tonight, Wonder Woman, the box office smash superheroine movie that has re-energized the flailing DC Extended Universe and made Gal Gadot a household name. After taking the last episode off, I am rejoined this episode by my podcaster in crime, Stu Smith. Stu, I, I gotta say, I-, I missed you a little bit last episode. Aww. A, a little bit. Did, did you miss me? Is but that, not is too that, much. Not too much, but I mean, did you miss me? Is that reciprocated at all? Or <laughs> I want. Well, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't on some other podcast. I'm not a podcast floozy, Bob. That's true. That's I'm committed true. to you, uh, and I appreciate it. Okay, so Stu, Wonder Woman's been out two weekends now. It's already been plenty well discussed around the internet. So let's just like quickly get the basic stuff out of the way before we move on to some specific aspects of the movie that I think still warrant discussion two weeks out. But but basically, kicking it off, we both really like this movie, correct? I I think it was fantastic. You know, I wasn't I wasn't as pessimistic about it as uh, a lot of people seem to have been. Uh, but, you know, I did have a little bit of trepidation just because, I mean, the, the track record of the DCCU is... Uh, you know, spotty at best. And so, you know, I, I wanted it to be good. I hoped that it would be good. Uh, and it turned out to be better than good. It's, it's, I think it's, I think it's legitimately great. Uh, it's easily one of the best, uh, you know, summer movies this year. And it's, I'd put it up there with, with some of the best Marvel movies. Well, Tim Kelly, who reviewed it for our website, cultspark.com, gave it four stars out of five in his review. That's what I would give it. I'm not sure exactly where you're at, but it seems like Team Cult Spark is all close to being on the same page. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it four, maybe four and a half, just kind of depending on uh, on my mood. Yeah, it's a very good movie. And and uh, so uh, strengths and weaknesses. Let's break it down. What do you think? The, what do you think the film's biggest strength is? Uh, I Gal Gadot for uh, sure. I mean, I mean, she's just she is uh, luminous. She is electric. Uh, she is so she she delivers a layered performance here that I I wasn't quite expecting and I didn't really uh, know that she was capable of delivering. I mean, I've I've always enjoyed her performances. I mean, I've, I've you know, I've never thought that she was a bad actress, uh, but she's never really shown the range that she uh, that she gives here. And, you know, I mean, so a lot of, you know, there definitely some credit has to go to. Uh, uh, to who wrote the script to, you know, to give her that, those layers to play. But she, she delivers those better than I could have hoped or expected. I mean, she was just absolutely wonderful every minute of this. The presence is just off the charts. Yeah, it, and, it really, it really is. And I like her in the Fast and Furious film she's in. It's kind of a smallish part. It's largely eye candy, but I always thought she did sort of rose above that, rose above what was on page. But I mean, the jump she makes here from that is incredible. Well, and it really shows just kind of how underused she was in those movies. I mean, she was she was always fun. I mean, and obviously her character uh, wasn't the focus, but you really get the sense that they could have done uh, so much more if they had given her the chance. Okay, and now what about weaknesses? Why are we giving this movie four or four and a half stars instead of five? Uh, I mean, obviously you you have you you basically have to have some kind of big action climax, uh, but it feels like you could have gone into the big finale of this movie and had it in without a big fight between Diana and, you know, a big bad guy. Like it, it feels like they could have talked 
their way to the ending. I, I, right. I, uh, wasn't, and, and even, it I wasn't even sure that big action sequence would be coming. Like, I mean, I, sure I, I, th- I was thinking, oh, wow, maybe they're going to be bold here and actually do something different. But, I, you know, I, I get why they went the route that they did. And I, I think that it was done well the way that it was executed. But, you know, it, it still it still felt like, OK, we're doing this because we kind of have to. Right. I don't hate that final fight between Diana and Ares. It's just it's so similar to stuff we've seen before. Like it wouldn't be right. out of a place in a middling Thor sequel or something. It's you know what I mean? It's just it's it's magic people doing magic things. Now, to its credit, what it does do is that, you know, it you actually get I like that they made Ares as talkative as he is. Yes. Like, you really get a sense for what he wanted to do and why, and that's not something that you get out of too many comic book villains outside of Loki, really. We're, we're going to get into the villains in a minute, so put a pin in that. We're going to come sure. back to it. Okay, so the battle with Ares isn't our isn't our favorite sequence. What is? What, what do you think is the best sequence in the movie? I, I, I don't know how you could say that... Um, that anything other than the no man's land sequence it has to be no man's land right it has to be it has I mean, to be i mean it really really does that's going to be the most cheer inducing five minutes on screen this summer right like i got i legitimately got goosebumps. choked up yeah not not just goosebumps but yeah. like i mean i i got it started to emotionally overwhelm me just because i mean the the state of everything the state of the world just sucks right now yes you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I'm pessimistic about a lot of things and, you know, just the state of politics and, you know, society is just awful. And having someone having this character, you know, with such boldness and moral clarity and, you know, vision for wanting to to truly help people in a way that no one literally no one else can, you know, and, and stepping out onto the battlefield uh, you know, with this righteous anger, uh, knowing that she can make a difference and refusing to do anything, but, uh, it's just, it's, it just came over me. I mean, it's, it's this really, uh, profound moment and it's just made all the better by, you know, her, her going out and doing, you know, really heroic, cool looking things, you know? So it's, it's this wonderful character moment. It's a great set piece. Uh, and it really, it, it hits, uh, you know, it hits these great emotional beats too. I mean, it's, it's literally everything you could ask for. And it's told so uh, earnestly and straightforwardly. Like we're not cutting away from her to the right. rest of the gang telling jokes or anything. I mean, it's just as earnest and straightforward and glorious. Right. And I, you know, just kind of going back to the strengths of this movie for a second. I mean, that, the, the earnestness of this movie, I don't know that we've, we certainly, Certainly the, the closest, uh, uh, analog would be like the first Captain America movie. Yes. Um, which I think this is better than, by the way. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think for one, this would make a great double feature with that. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, I mean, you know, Diana and Steve Rogers, uh, I mean, those, those are characters that would get along well, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see them interact. Uh, but the spirit of, of these movies is very, very similar. I mean, the themes that they deal with about, you know, wanting to do the right thing and finally, you know, having the power and ability to do so and using 
that strength to, uh, you know, to help the people who can't help themselves. I mean, that's just, that's, that's wonderful. We don't see that. Sadly, we don't see that enough in superhero movies these days. Uh, but specifically, and, you know, Patty Jenkins has, has written and talked about this, uh, you know, but her big inspiration, you can really see it is the first Richard Donner Superman, uh, which might be the most, the single most sincere, uh, superhero movie ever made. And, you know, this is very much, uh, done in that same spirit and uh, you know, clearly inspired by that, you know, in more ways than one. Agree 100%. Now, I shouldn't have to ask this. I think the answer is obvious, but I, I happen to know you're a big Man of Steel fan. Is Wonder Woman the best DC Extended Universe film? It is. Uh, you know, Good. They, then we don't have to fight. It, Great. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, I mean, look, I still really like Man of Steel, and I, you know, I'll still get up and, and defend it uh, against anyone. I, I think Man of Steel is an above-average movie. Made, here, here's the thing: made worse by the film that followed it. Right. That, that's that's my big problem. I mean, so much of what I love about Man of Steel is retroactively ruined yep. by Batman v, v Superman. But even despite uh, that, Wonder Woman is still a better movie. Well, Steel. Wonder Woman is, is is absolutely a better movie, and it's it's frustrating because it's like the, that sort of kind of sincerity and moral clarity that you know that I was talking about. You know, th- that's what I want and expect out of Superman, and it's you know this this is like I can only imagine what we would have gotten from Man of Steel if Patty Jenkins had made it. Yeah, you know, Patty and she she delivers now. Superman movies, Justice sure, League yeah, movies, no. put her in charge. Like I'm sad that we won't get a Patty Jenkins Justice League movie. Like that would have been Patty Jenkins like, Martian watch, Manhunter. I, bring it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> give her. Get, let her do literally whatever she wants. I'll watch it. But yeah, like she she delivers with Diana here. Uh, you know that sort of sincerity and and moral uh moral authority that you uh you know that you want and, and expect out of Superman. So yeah, it, it's. Uh, but just in terms of pure filmmaking too. I mean, she. She outdoes Zack Snyder at every turn. I mean, even even with his patented, you know, speed ramping, uh, you know, she's better at using it uh, I, to highlight the character and character aspects through her use of it than Snyder ever. Had. I actually love the speed ramping in this movie. I love it. It works really well because well because again, I mean, she she uses it to uh, emphasize the character. It's not just oh look how badass this is. You know, she's she's having she uses it at moments. Uh, you know, where Diana is, is showing her force and dominating these other soldiers. And it's always used at a moment, uh, where, you know, people need to be in awe of what this woman can do and, and how much, uh, you know, more significant she is just as a, as a fighter, uh, you know, as a person in terms of her abilities and everybody else. And, you know, it's, it's used as an emphasis, not just, Hey, look at how badass this is. I would agree. And again, one last thing. I mean, is I don't think Wonder Woman's better than the best that Marvel Studios has done, but this film is very comparable to what Marvel has been doing. Correct. I mean, it's as good as a lot of the Marvel movies, I think. Oh, easily. Like uh, it's yeah, I I would. It's better than at least half the Marvel movies out there, which is no small thing considering how bad (laughs) Batman v Superman (laughs) and Suicide Squad were. Right. Okay, with with all that out of the way, now let's move on to some stuff that I've been thinking about or that I've talked with friends about or that I've seen debated on social media, things that I find worth discussing, you know, 10, 12 days after the movie came out. Number one, and I may write a Cult Spark column on this if I can find some time, but origin stories are still awesome. 
I've heard a lot of complaints over the last few years about how people tired, how tired people are of origin stories, superhero origin stories, how they're all very samey. And I agree, we don't need to see Batman's, you know, parents murdered for the umpteenth time. But I think between the Doctor Strange film at the end of last year and now this, there's still great stuff that can be mined from telling superhero origin stories on the big screen. Uh, it, it depends on the origin and how you're telling it. I mean, it, it really comes down to, uh, you know, the filmmaker being inspired to actually put some effort into into telling this. You know, so, yeah, I mean, uh, part of the problem is that, you know, a lot of these characters just have similar origin stories. That's true. You know, I mean, that it's like it's not that but so much of where they come from, especially in terms of the Marvel Universe, um, you know, where they come from directly affects who they are. You know, you really do need to understand it. Uh, you know, I mean, technically, Doctor Strange's origin isn't that far removed from Iron Man's. But it's still essential to understanding, you know, his journey toward humility and inner peace and, you know, finding his way in the cosmic universe and everything. Right, so, and yeah, I think I mean, that stuff, even if it's kind of samey to things we, we've seen before, I think it's important to make us fall in love with that character. Well, right, and the, the emphasis there being the character, because, I mean, that's what Marvel has done better than anyone, is making you care about these characters. And, you know, again, like I said, I mean, if it, if it is, if it directly affects it, then sure, yeah, go, uh, you know, go to the beginning, go, go to where they started. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I mean, so long as everything else that you show me is inventive and interesting and, you know, Give me a character worth investing in, and I'll be happy to see where they came from. Not to mention that the best act in this film may be all the stuff at the beginning on Diana's home island. Them, whatever I it's called. I, Themyscira. I don't know what it's called. Themyscira. I can't pronounce it. Themyscira. I could have watched the whole movie just on Themyscira. Yeah, uh, I was absolutely. really sad. I was I was sad that we didn't get more uh, Robin, Wright, Robin Wright. Like, I, I would have watched... She's awesome. I would have watched half the movie with just her training Diana. And I've seen some complaints that... She they, she never goes back there at the end of the movie. There's no real wrap up afterward to that, which I don't think was necessary. Although I wouldn't mind seeing it in the sequel. Well, they also said that she couldn't go back. Like that was part of the. No, that was part it of wasn't. The she, no, I don't think they specifically say that she can't. It's just more. If they did, I missed it. But I thought it was more along the lines of. I could swear that that's something you that know, her mom said. I thought it was. Well, maybe I missed it, but I thought it was more along the lines of if you go, you're on your own path. We can't protect you, you know, who knows if we'll ever see you again. It was more like that. Not that you're banned or barred or there's some magical reason you can't return. I never got that from it. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you're magically unable to come here, but it was more just kind of like, yeah, you know, you, you leave here and you leave all of us behind and you're not really welcome back. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I could be misremembering that. That's okay. It doesn't, I don't think it needs to go back. Uh, because, I mean, again, I mean, it's like, you know, she's made her place here. She wants to be this guardian and this defender, this champion. You know, she, she needs to be there. It, you know, it's not like, oh, okay, I saved the world and I'm going to go back. It's like, no, she under, she realized, I mean, that's one of the big things about the end of the movie at, at the climax is that she realizes that it, you know, it's not just a, this silver bullet solution, you know, killing one guy and then, you know, suddenly the world of men is, you know, uh, you know, passive and, you know, they're not going to kill each other anymore. It's like, no, she realizes she has a lot of work to do. Okay. Number two, the villains. There are three of them in this movie. General Ludendorff played by Danny Houston, Ares, spoiler alert, played by David Thewlis and Dr. Poison played by Elena Anaya. Rank them from best to worst for me, Stu, as far as how they're used in the film. Wonder Woman. 
and it's it's definitely uh Ares, Dr. Poison, uh Ludendorff. Um Ludendorff is a is a non entity. He's terrible. Um, He's terrible. And you, you, I, you I, I don't like Danny Houston. I never want to see him in a comic book movie again. The fact that they have to concoct this little side plot where Dr. Poison invents this little vial of serum or whatever it is to give him superpower. Just so Magic Diana, cocaine. Yeah, just so Diana can have somebody superpowered to fight in a short sequence. It's so dumb. Right. I mean, it's just it's not. Uh, I, look, I'm I'm fine with Danny Houston. I don't I don't think he does a bad job, but. You know, it, it's like you 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 spend the whole time. You know, it's like it's obvious that there's going to be some kind of bait and switch with him. You know, and then there is, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, but the thing is, it's not till the very end. So he's treated like the main villain right. for like eighty percent of the movie until the twist. Right. Exactly. I I will say that I I I liked and I laughed at the part where he and Doctor Poison set the the gas off in that uh, in that war room. And she tosses in the gas mask and it's like, that's not going to save them. They don't know that. Ha 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 And they just kind of run off like people that just pranked a group of, you know. Do you know what? That didn't really work for me. If there was one, if there was anything in that movie that kind of felt like taken from the other D- bad DC movies, that was kind of it for me. I, it, it was just weird and like unexpected. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was. It was sort of like funny need- at a moment. Yeah, it, was, say, it, was, it was sort of needlessly cruel, but then played for like comic effect at the same time. So it was kind of weird. Yeah, it was weird, but I, I think it worked for the most part. Uh, yeah, and it's rare. I mean, especially, especially in the DC movies to have you know the villains really get that kind of you know personality laden uh, comedy moment. So you rank David Thewlis 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 David Thewlis David Thewlis's Ares is number one. Uh, I yeah. know people who really don't like that performance that will take you to task for it. I'm okay with that. I don't Look, think I got I got to admit part of my ranking at that high is the fact that they, you know, kept him like once he reveals himself as Ares and like goes full Ares with armor and everything. Like he's still just this skinny guy with a big bushy mustache and <laughs> like that's hilarious. You can, you can see the mustache through the helmet. Yeah, like I love that. I it's, think that's actually great. Listen, I don't think it's a completely successful villain. But I think they try for something interesting. I mean, if they would have hired like some sort of cookie cutter, muscular 25 year old actor who looks like somebody that like left off a DC Comics page, that might have been like more traditional, but it wouldn't have been as interesting. It and, wouldn't have been as interesting. And I really like David Thewlis. And, he is killing it on Fargo this year. I mean, just killing it. So then, you know, seeing him after that pop up in this big you know, summer blockbuster I kind of enjoyed. And like I said, they tried for something different. It wasn't entirely successful, but I didn't well, hate it. I didn't hate I, it. I, I do kind of like it when they present gods as something other than just, you know, these muscle bound hulks or whatever. Right. Uh, Cause I mean, they're gods. They don't need to have a ton of muscles. They're, I mean, they're, you know, they're gods. They can do anything. They have all these, you know, magical powers and whatnot. You know, so I, I, I like that approach. Um, and you know, the way that they uh, took his character and his motivation, you know, and why he did everything that he did was 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 re- you know reasoned. Uh, you know, it wasn't just you know mustache, <laughs> bushy mustache twirling uh, villainy. I mean, there there was a purpose behind it, which is uh, you know, which is rare a lot of the time. I um I mean their fight at the end kind of does just turn into a CGI mess. I don't think it's b- as bad as the CGI mess that ends Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two with 
Chris Pratt turning into Pac-Man. I don't want to get back into that. It's upsetting. <laughs> uh, I think this one's better than that one, but it is still just kind of a lot of CGI and noise. And, and, and again, maybe it's, you know, you come for a superhero movie. You want to see a fight like that. We talked about this earlier. I'm not sure they needed it. But again, I like that it's David Thewlis doing this. And, or even if it's just right. his face behind the mask. I mean, it's not him, but you know what I mean. Right. It's a CG version of him. Yeah. And then we have Dr. Poison, who I've seen complaints that she's underused, underdeveloped. I took a couple days to think about this because I wasn't sure how I felt. And I think I've come out on that I like the way the character's used. I like that we don't really get her backstory. I mean, we see her face is really scarred and messed up. And I think at the end, when Diana sees her and understands that this girl probably wasn't born evil, born wanting to poison the world, that she was probably made this way, likely by men, whoever did these horrific things to her. Right. And that sort of guided her on her decision to protect her humanity rather than join Ares. I kind of like, I think, that it's all left kind of vague and you can surmise all of this without it being spelled out for you. Well, and not not just, you know, made to look that way. Like, one of the things that Ares says whenever he unmasks her, as it as it were, and expects Diana to, to you know, to, to cut her down or whatever, uh, it's he's pointing out, look how ugly she is, right. as if that's a reason to, right. uh, you know, to, to hate someone, to want to kill them and think that they're worthless. And she's just like... No, I'm not going to do that. She's, you know, she sees the humanity uh, in this in this person and chooses not to, you know, chooses to show the mercy and grace, which I mean, that that in and of itself is is, you know, unheard of in a comic book movie. I mean, you don't you don't get that level of, you know, of nuance from a, a character uh, making that kind of a decision uh, against another character. I mean, it's, uh, you know, bravo to them for uh, for taking that. And I think in a worse film, we would have had her backstory completely spelled out. And I wouldn't even be surprised if there's a deleted scene where that happens. And I think it's better that it's left a little vague. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't need to know it. You know, I, I think that we, we get enough with what's there. And she's, I mean, she's effective on her own. Yes. Okay. Uh, the modern day bookends where Diana's getting a package from and then emailing Bruce Wayne pro or against. I, I hate that one of, one of my biggest complaints with the movie in general is the way that it, it, fe- it <sighs> they're having to force her along this character path because of the garbage that they already, you know, set up in Batman v Superman. You know, so this whole idea of, you know, Diana getting, uh, becoming pessimistic and soured on, you know, the world of men and her mission and, you know, thinking the world's no longer worth saving or, you know, whatever it was they ended up doing there in, in BVS. Uh, it's just like, no, you don't, uh, God, why couldn't we have gotten this movie first? You know what? This is going to kind of surprise you. I liked them. <laughs> I, I didn't mind it. I especially liked that at the end when she's emailing Bruce. And she says, like, thank you for bringing him back to me. I like how it kind of tied back it's, into her relationship with Steve. I thought it was kind it, of it's clever. Touching. It's, 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 it's not that it's without some merit, you know, because it is touching, you know, just kind of having giving her that moment to, you know, to to reminisce and remember this man that, uh, you know, that, that that affected her life and, you know, effectively changed her life, really, um, you know, and help kind of guide her in her fight. I mean, it, uh, it's good that that moment was there, but I, I still think that kind of the broader implications of specifically having to, 
to you know guide her character to where it already is in the future uh, was a detriment. Okay. My 10-year-old daughter was upset that they never uttered the words Wonder Woman in this movie. Did they need to? And they never will. Did they need to? Is that a residual effect of Warner Brothers taking things too seriously? Are you upset about it? I, you know, I'm fine with them not calling her Wonder Woman because, like, even in, like, Justice League Unlimited, they don't really ever call her Wonder Woman. They call her Diana. You know, I mean, they really kind of did away with the whole uh, secret identity thing pretty quickly uh, in this movie. Okay, but you if know, my they, daughter knows her as Wonder Woman and expects that and is visibly disappointed they don't call her that, isn't that a problem? Eh, your kid will get over it. <laughs> That's it. It's my kid's fault, Stu. I'm, I'm just saying. I, look, I know, I'm just I saying. Know. You know, I just don't think that they're going to do it. I just don't think they're going to call her Wonder Woman. You know, I mean, and, you might and have it do- like, And it some... doesn't bother you. Doesn't bother no, me. it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, like you, you might have in a future movie have like someone on the street or you know like some kind of you know someone who's in awe, like oh Wonder Woman, you know, See, I hate like that. that shit. You're, but so you, you're bad. never that would be so bad. You're never you're never gonna have like Batman calling like, Wonder Woman, help me or whatever. <laughs> you know, this is not gonna happen. Was that your Batman voice? No, I I, that was, just... it was. I don't know what that. I liked it. Okay. I don't know what it was. <laughs> okay, final question. Final question. Are we ever going to see an invisible plane in a DCEU Wonder Woman movie? Uh, I think so. Uh, Patty Jenkins has specifically said, yeah, it needs to show up. So, oh, I mean, she has. I haven't seen that. Yeah, she has She has said it. So, I, you know, so we can't I, call her Wonder Woman, but we can't have a fucking invisible airplane. Sh- that, that's okay. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you can't. I just don't think that they will. But the plane we're getting. I hope so. I really do. How's that going to look on screen? Are we going to laugh our asses I, off? I mean, just see like a Wonder Woman in a sitting position? <laughs> kind of floating no, through it's, the it's, air? It's, no, it's, it's going to be, you know, like a predator cloak effect, and then suddenly you're going to see a door open in thin air, and she'll walk out of it or okay, something. Okay, so Wonder like Woman that. will be visible like she was in the old Super Friends cartoon. She'll, everyone inside no. the plane will be. So it's going to be more like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like stealth hel- helicarrier type thing. Right, like Star Labs or something will, will like rig it up. Like, uh, I like I don't know that it ever did it ever explain in the comics like where she got it. Uh, you know, I'm a Marvel guy, so I don't because I, I see like DC I mean reader. obviously she didn't get it from Themyscira no. or whatever. They they don't seem down with the invisible plane technology. That doesn't seem right, like something yeah. they would so, do. Yeah, I mean bow I, and I, arrow, they're aces with <laughs> <laughs> invisible transportation, not so much. All right, well. In, in, in two years, when we're podcasting Wonder Woman 2, maybe three years, we'll, we'll put the invisible plane, whether it's there or not, at the top of the podcast. Talk about whether it worked or not. In the meantime, that's it, Stu. I, I, I feel touched that having you back. I feel like there was a hole, you know, missing you this last episode, and that hole's been filled. I'm, I'm glad I could fill that's, your hole, that, Bob. That hole's been it's not so dirty. It's got some dirt in it. Yeah. Oh, well. You, uh, you can find me online at Robert B. Taylor at Twitter, uh, Stu's at Stubidoo. And you can find Cult Spark at Cult Spark. We're on Facebook. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you go for your podcast needs. If you want to throw us a five-star review at iTunes, we would love that. We could really use them. We are trying to ramp up our production. We're hoping you have noticed we've been giving you more podcasts more often. And I don't want to promise anything yet, but you may even have another new one coming in just a couple days. So, again, stay subscribed so you don't miss it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.